All right. Hey, guys, how are you guys, everybody doing tonight? I've got a special guest, Kelly Ford of Kelly Ford Ratings is joining me, and uh, he does a lot of stats and stuff that I'm into, and I imagine if you're following me and watching this, you're into it as well. So I'm really happy to have him. Kelly, welcome to Dog Central. Thanks, Josh. Glad to be here. Yeah, I've uh, seen your stuff from afar for a long time, so excited to join you tonight. Yeah, we're um, Kelly has been working through the numbers just like I have and throwing some stats out there, and he's really dug into some of the preseason stuff. I'm still kind of still relishing a little bit in the uh, the 2021 campaign that Georgia had. Is, uh, but you were you were pretty high on Georgia all year long. I saw you know obviously you downgraded them just slightly after the SEC championship. But um, is there anything you want to any any dog porn as we like to say in, in Georgia Twitter that you want to talk about in 2021 before we talk about our preseason stuff? Well yeah, first, Josh, I want to say I do um, I do think Georgia was fantastic last year. They were my number one team in my power ratings uh, starting, at, I think it was in week four or five that they uh, climbed to the number one spot and they stayed there for the rest of the year. So even after losing in the SEC championship game, Georgia remained the number one power rated team uh, in my in my metric. They were not the number one most deserving team after the SEC championship game. That was Alabama, and I did have Michigan two and Georgia number three, so same as the committee. But in terms of power ratings, my numbers liked Georgia going into the playoff to win it and then into the national championship game, uh, which they did, of course. And I was actually fortunate enough to be at that game. I live in Indy, and I was able to work that game, so it was really cool to see Alabama and Georgia part two uh, in person, uh, up, up close and, and personal. It was awesome. Oh, that is cool. Um, so with that, so tell me a little about how you your most deserving and your power ratings, and what is the nuance difference between those? And and somebody that's reading your stuff, what what just explain to them what what that means to somebody just you know looking at your uh, your graphs and stats on website and Twitter. Yeah, so the K Ford ratings, th those are my predictive power ratings. So. For those, there's really two segments of um, inputs. The first is the preseason, which is where we are now. And as you mentioned, I'm getting very close to putting the finishing touches on my final official 2022 preseason numbers. But the main inputs into that are returning production, recent recruiting with the most recent classes weighted most heavily, and then recent team performance, meaning team's most recent K Ford ratings from previous seasons with, again, the most recent seasons weighted most heavily. So that's it for the preseason. Um, and then once we get into in-season data, um, I can start using in-game data, of course, and uh, that's really, for the major for the large part of what I'm doing, it's primarily the, the five factors that Bill Connolly made famous a while back now. It's explosiveness, efficiency, which is most heavily weighted, field position, finishing drives, and turnovers. So I have a few other pieces that go into it as well, but those are really the, the main nuts and bolts of the power ratings model. And then as you asked, what's the difference between that in the most deserving rankings, so not ratings, but rankings, what I'm doing is uh, looking at what has every single team accomplished on the field in this season to this given point of the season. So um, I'm using my K Ford ratings as the engine for that. Uh, but think ESPN strength of record. It's very similar to that. I take a little extra step that compared to strength of record and add in a dominance factor. So basically looking at how, how much did you beat or lose to an opponent by at a given location relative to what would be expected of the average top 25 team to either beat or lose to that opponent opponent at that location. So those are really the two main differences. You've got the K Ford power ratings that's forward looking, and then you have the uh, most deserving rankings and that's a resume metric, which is looking backwards. So just fill you guys in 
Kelly's ratings are used part of the Massey. Is it Massey Peabody or is it just the Massey ratings that are on the Washington Post each week? I mean, that's you're doing some heavy lifting and, and a lot of and your your stuff is widely respected and what you're doing and what you're talking about that your dominance factor. I mean, that's just basically the old BCS margin of victory in, in a nutshell, or is it not? Yeah. So, yes, it is margin of victory. But again, it's it's uh, it's translated into what would be expected to be the margin of victory for the average top 25 team. That way it's a way to encompass strength of schedule kind of, and then also the performance of the team, the result of the game versus what would be expected. And we normalize it across all teams by using that common denominator of the average top 25 team. Um, And then to your first point, yes, Ken Massey has been gracious enough to include my uh, power ratings in kind of his composite metric that he looks at with uh, all the different people that are out there making college football power ratings, which there are plentiful of, of course. So I'm just excited to be one of those. Okay. So with that, let's, let's talk about your realistic expectations that you put out on Twitter uh, for the top 25. And then we'll kind of dig into some sec stuff here see if I can press the right button. Boom. Okay. There we go. So the um, here's, here's Kelly's realistic expectations for 2022 and let me put it in full screen. Um, so you've got Ohio State at 11 expected wins. Right behind them is Georgia, Alabama, Clemson. And then you've got Michigan and Oklahoma filling out sort of the – well, I guess it kind of falls off there looking at a 13% chance for Clemson and just a 6% – or sorry, 3% chance for uh, Michigan to win uh, 12 games. So run run us through these here. Um, as you can see, it's a pretty simple graph. It's like the, the, the chances of each team winning X amount of games, obviously – all of these top 10 guys are going to win at least six games and, you know, pretty much in the high nineties to win eight or more games. Yeah, exactly. So I want to make the the note that these are based on my preliminary numbers, which I did um, earlier this, this summer. I'm in the process, as I said, of, of finalizing the preseason numbers. They're not going to change a ton from these, but they are going to change slightly here in the next couple of weeks when I repost this uh, with the updated numbers. But yeah, basically what you just said, I use my K Ford power ratings to simulate the season and then based on those simulation results that's kind of this is the output of that so it's saying that ohio state and georgia i'm expecting both of those teams to on average win 11 of their 12 regular season games this year ohio state's got a 34 percent chance to go 12 and 0 georgia right behind at 33 percent chance so i'm not pinpointing with this any single game that i think georgia and ohio state will lose i'm saying the cumulative averages here the cumulative effect of playing all these games is that on average you can expect both those teams and Alabama for that matter to lose one they're going to be favored in all of them they're actually going to be favored by double digits by my preliminary numbers in every single game they play all three of those teams um, they're they're a very clear-cut tier one this year with Ohio State Georgia Alabama not necessarily in that order but I'm saying that on average I expect each of them to lose one game but don't ask me which one it is because I, uh, I I'm not going to pick one that they're going to lose but that's basically what this is saying and then as you go down the list there you can see all the other percentages last note on this graph or this chart it is just the power five teams that are included in this one you can check out my Twitter to see the one that had the group of five included as well okay so what jumps out at me is I don't see SC on here do I not and then you've got UCLA there uh, behind Utah as possibly the second best team in the pac 12 is is am I missing something here because that's pretty uh, that jumped out at me and also NC State Miami are all uh, I don't want to say I want to say nipping at the heels of Clemson but that should be a more competitive ACC than maybe than uh, than we've seen in recent years. So let me take the first question first uh, with, with regard to USC and the Pac-12, or I guess Pac-12 for now with them and UCLA, which is a whole other conversation. But 
looking at those teams in particular, I, I will say that USC has made a jump from my preliminary numbers to my updated numbers and will likely make another little jump into my uh, final official preseason numbers. So I do expect when I repost this, USC will be appearing on this chart. They won't be as high as UCLA, though, and that does not mean I think UCLA is a better team than USC this year. I don't. My number, my predicted numbers like USC more than I like UCLA. UCLA has the easiest schedule in all of the Power Five this year. I mean, no Power Five team has an easier schedule by my numbers than UCLA. So part of this is, yes, I expect these teams to be pretty strong this year, but also factoring in their schedule into this chart as well. So that's why you see UCLA there and you don't see USC. One, I'm not as high on USC as many others are, but two, USC was just a slightly more difficult schedule than UCLA. And then to your second question there, Josh, about Clemson versus Pittsburgh and, and Miami, NC State, Clemson is the best team in the ACC by my numbers. Now, they were last year as well in the preseason, and we saw how that actually played out on the field. But power rating-wise, Clemson throughout the season last year remained one of, if not the best team in the ACC. Again, a lot of this comes back to the talent they have on the roster based on how they recruited, their recent success, what have you. They were also maybe unlucky to lose a game or two last year. Um, so, yes, I do have Clemson as the best team. Pittsburgh, Miami, NC State, all kind of in that next group. But I do expect Clemson to be the class of the ACC this year. We'll see if they uh, burn me like they did last year or if Dabo gets them to bounce back. Yeah, yeah I think anyone that's not uh, living or rooting for teams in the upper Piedmont, South Carolina, is, is kind of cheering for NC State. Uh, and, uh, and and just anything, you know, I, I imagine other parts of the country, they're probably cheering against Georgia and Alabama as well. But, uh, I, you know, I'm kind of like, I don't know why, maybe just because I'm digging into a lot more teams, working with Graham and everybody on Dog Central that I, you know, having to dig a lot deeper into some of these teams. And I, I liked UCLA too, um, to to be sort of kind of maybe a, a team that can make some noise out West. Um, everyone seems to think Utah is, is a uh, clear and, Head and shoulders, best team in the Pac-12. Uh, we'll see about that. I, I don't, I'm not fading them by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, uh, I'd like to see possibly uh, UCLA come, bounce back. I don't know why. Um, so, so real quick though, so uh, as you're, you talked about Bill Connolly's uh, metrics and stuff, the you know the five basics. So you're you're building a top-down um, uh, metric, and you're not how are are do you have player level? data or do you factor in injuries to in the season talk to me about a little more if you can if you feel like sharing just a little more about those what goes into those ratings yeah for sure so again first question first there i do have player level data built in in the form of returning production and then also um i guess in a tangential way through the in-game stats now again i'm looking at those really at a team level but obviously the player is the one responsible for making those i see players more as just numbers right then i do actual names and actually to me that helps keep it a little bit more objective and not get biased towards this that or the other but um yes i do take into account player level data not to the level of extremes that people who look at x's and o's do um but it does come in mainly in the form of returning production to your second question about what about injuries that's a massive caveat every single week that I put out there, especially when I was uh, doing a, a bunch of handicapping and putting out best bets is, hey, here's what my numbers say, but it's not accounting for injury to player X, Y, and Z on team A. So, uh, and again, depending on what positions 
players X, Y, and Z play. Like if it's a quarterback, okay, that's a big deal. If it's an outside linebacker, maybe not, um, at least not as big of a deal. So yes, I do have player level. Do not account for injuries. Same thing with like, you know, suspensions. That's again, not accounted for. Coaching changes, that's not accounted for. Anything intangible is not accounted for in my power ratings. Um, Everything gets picked up in the most deserving rankings because that is strictly win-loss based with, again, some margin of victory or defeat um, played in there, all normalized to a similar or exact same level of expected using the average top 25 team. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I keep messing, I'm basically just kind of explaining stats and using stats to, to break down games and I'm definitely trying to get more into the predictive stuff. And I'm looking at, you know, success rate and yards per play. And, and what one thing I've kind of looked at is actual – offensive points scored by a successful play you have in a game Georgia ran something like 31 to 32 successful plays and managed to get 38 points out of it which is one of the higher that's just another efficiency metric which is built into to what you do I just and but I'm trying to get it to where I'm actually putting a number on the game because it's it's easy to say well this team's you know 51 percent success rate that one's 47 what does that mean in, in points but that's what you do such a good job with is is going through and, and, you know, like you said, you've run this preseason model and predict, predicted all of these games, and that's where your percentages come come from. So back to the percentages, I'm, we're looking at the SEC, and this is kind of cool. You, you're kind of looking at the first half of the season. This is the record through six games. Uh, can you see that, Kelly? Because I'm going to – Yep. Okay, great. Um, interesting, you had Alabama at a higher um, power rating uh, on the top 25 there, but you've got Alabama um, just a little bit ahead here. Uh obviously these are you're splitting hairs literally it's 65 to 64 percent chance of winning the six the first six games so that's to me that jumped out as me kind of low but that you kind of touched on that earlier that isn't you're not trying to predict that georgia is going to lose a game but it's it's talk to me about your record through six game metric here we got yeah so this seemed to be like a really popular question on twitter on a week or two ago whenever it was people are like what's going to be team x's record through six games what's going to be team y's record and i was like i don't know where this is coming from i'm not on Twitter all day, every day. I do like to get on there, obviously, and post some stuff and interact with people. Um, But I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this for everybody and post my results. So I did it for all 131 FBS teams broken out by conference. So you can see here, as you mentioned, what the SECs looks like. And yeah, again, Alabama, Georgia, both at 5.6%, or excuse me, 5.6 expected wins in their first six games. So I'm actually not even expecting, if you round that up to to 6-0, and I mean, I'm not expecting either of them to lose a game in their first six. Um, But again, the cumulative effect of playing those games, I wouldn't be totally shocked if one of them did drop one in the first six. Ole Miss, the only other team over five in the first six. This this is very schedule dependent, right? So if you're looking at the SEC, Overall, the SEC is a, is a stronger conference than really any other conference. So in the non-conference portion of the season, you're going to have tough games, right? Like Florida's playing Utah. That's going to be a really tough game for Florida. I know it's in the swamp, but that's going to be hard. Alabama's playing Texas. I know people like to laugh at Texas, but you're going on the road. I'm going to have Bama by over two touchdowns, but that's a game that theoretically they could lose. Like there are, there are definitely some high-profile games that they have on the slate. Uh, Georgia, for that matter, has Oregon, right? Like that, that's a massive game. Um, and Dan Lanning's in there, so that's a whole other layer that's, that's baked in, which is awesome. But all in all, on average, the SEC's number in the first six is going to be greater than any other conference because you have all those non-conference games that are mixed in, and uh, that's where the SEC being the favorite in those games is going to lead to more expected wins. So looking at I know you're, this is the first – uh, six games we didn't see Kentucky on that top 25 do you see Kentucky as the the challenger or are you more on Tennessee in the challenger in the in the SEC East so 
overall, I would say that my numbers, if I look at both of them, how they stack up in my preseason K forward ratings, the updated ones, I have Tennessee as the better team than Kentucky. They're both top 25 teams, but Tennessee's pushing top 15, maybe just outside of that for right now. So in the East, I think Tennessee is probably the greatest threat to Georgia. But if, back to the first graphic, just because of how the, or, or the graphic that we're going to be looking at, um, how the schedule sets up, that te- Kentucky might win more games this year than Tennessee just because of the schedule they're playing. I think Tennessee is going to be the better team, but how the schedule sets up for, for Kentucky, they might find themselves number two in the East uh, at the end of the year. I think it's gonna be a dogfight there uh, between Florida, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Uh, a lot of a lot of people are bringing up South Carolina as you know possible upset Georgia early in the season. I just don't see it. They've got a lot of things going right. I just think Georgia's defense is going to be still really, really good. Um, they're they're hopefully you know the team you know we hear a lot uh, reload, uh, not rebuild. Um, Georgia's defense is poised to do just that. Absolutely. I I think just to touch on South Carolina there, I think what you said about Tennessee, Kentucky, Florida, to me and my numbers, though, that's definitely the group of main contenders to Georgia. Georgia is going to be the overwhelming favorite in the East. If, if they get beat, probably going to be by one of those teams, Um, South Carolina improving. They got Spencer Rattler in there. I think they're building something, but the schedule's tough this year and they still might be a year or two away from uh, kind of being in that next tier behind Georgia in the East. Yeah, you talk about intangible intangibles that you can't and don't try to accommodate. I, I do think they've got a good coach over there, and Beamer is going to uh, see that team improve over the next couple of years. And uh, you know, if if the gap, the talent gap that Florida doesn't catch up, I can see uh, you know USC being really good uh, second tier <laughs> second tier team in the SEC East. So um, cool. All right, so I'm going to show another graph here. This is the projected to win more in 2022 this is an, i mean all your stuff's great i mean if you guys aren't following kelly on twitter you got to you get tons of stuff it's real simple his stuff is he does you know i know you do some things it, i don't know if you've seen his 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 gifts or his movies where over the years you see their power ratings go up and down or some of the other stuff but he does some really clean straightforward graphics that you don't have to understand an xy scatter plot to get which i which i appreciate uh so and this is one uh, just like this here here are what 20 teams 25 teams that are expected to win more at the top of the list is nebraska which i i kind of love this uh, they were unlucky last year you you have to expect that that's going to regress and that some of those close losses are going to turn into w's this year and um and they i think they're better you're going to be better this year so talk, run through a couple of these teams that jumped out at you and you're projected to win more in 2022 than 2021 yeah. Uh, so like you said, it's pretty straightforward chart here in Nebraska at the top. As you said, they are, they were unlucky last year. They underachieved. Um, they, I expect them to be really the second best team in the big 10 West this year, right behind Wisconsin. So I expect to see a big turnaround there for Scott Frost and Lincoln. If they don't get that, um, I'm not sure Scott Frost will be there in 23, but we'll see. I think, I think he's he may, doing a better job than the record shows. Tulane may not be there in Thanksgiving if he doesn't. Well, <laughs> and, and they got to make hay early too. I think I know they, yeah. they have a game against Oklahoma, but the, the early part of the Big Ten schedule really sets up well for Nebraska. Um, Tulane, same thing. A team that underachieved last year, pretty unlucky. Texas, you can almost say this every year, it seems like recently. Underachievers, a lot of talent there. I do expect them to have a nice improvement record-wise. USC, same deal as Texas. So really, the, the, the teams right there at the top, they're either 
unlucky last year or have a lot of talent on campus and just underachieved, whether regardless of their luck. Like you could say USC, I don't think they were really unlucky last year. I think they just underachieved and they didn't live up to the potential that they had. They made some changes, right? They bring it, they're bringing in some, some new offensive weapons in the portal. The reason you didn't see USC on my chart earlier, though, the problem was not the offense last year for USC. So I know they're bringing in Caleb Williams. I know they're bringing in Addison. I know you're bringing in all these flashy toys uh, at the skill positions on the offensive side of the ball. I got to see the defense improve before I'm ready to say USC is going to be a contender, let alone for the playoff. I'm just talking for the Pac-12 championship. Um, and then th- th- this kind of persists throughout. Indiana was a team that just grossly underachieved last year. I expect them to get a little bump this year. It's interesting when you see a team like Ohio State end up on this uh, graphic because hey, you think, well, Ohio State, geez, they won, uh, what, 10, was it 10 games last year? Yeah, well, at Ohio State in Columbus, that's that's underachieving. And based on the talent they have and, and the, the schedule that they're playing this year, I expect them to win 11 games that we talked about earlier. There you see Clemson, Penn State, two teams who, per their expectations, underachieved last year, very talented. So that's kind of how you end up uh, on this list. Miami, 1.7. They might end up with uh, a better improvement than that, just with all the off-field changes that they've had going on. I think Cristobal is a great hire for them. Um, and so we'll see. Again, those are the intangibles that my numbers don't uh, capture. Well, you know, you're talking about Texas and USC at the top there. I mean, that those are programs that should never, you know, not at least get seven, eight wins every year. And both those teams were under that last year. So you can just bake in eight, you know, you should be able to bake in seven to eight wins automatically every year, even if even in, in a rebuilding year. Um, yeah. And it's interesting to see New Mexico State. There's that. Yeah. They're going to win more games, but they didn't win many last year at all so i wouldn't necessarily go pound that over on new mexico state just yet so in new mexico state i have 100 131 fps teams this year with the addition of james madison as it stands right now new mexico state's sitting number 131 right so um, (laughs) i don't think they're going to be very good i don't have their schedule in front of me they might have an fcs team on there though i they, they probably do if i'm not mistaken something to note about my numbers since i don't produce fcs team ratings anytime an fbs team plays an fcs team I assume 100% win probability for the FBS team. So when a team like Georgia, for example, plays Samford or somebody from the FCS, you're probably looking at almost 100% win probability anyway. So that doesn't really change or mess up my numbers. But when a team like Kansas, for example, in the Power Five, who's maybe not so good, plays an FCS team, or when a team like New Mexico State, who's really, really bad, worse than the FBS, plays an FCS team, it's not a good assumption to say it's 100% expected win probability. But that's just where I am with my numbers. It's a shortcoming of the model. I know that. I'd love to make FCS ratings one day. I just don't have the time or resources to do that right now. I've considered using somebody else's FCS ratings. Like, I know Bill Connolly produces them. I know Jeff Sagarin produces them. But I just don't like introducing other people's numbers into my work, like, directly. I'll look at Bill's stuff all day. And like I said, I, I use the nuts and bolts of the five factors to make mine and all that stuff. Like, I think – they're obviously super smart. The, Bill and Brian Fromo, who, do, who produces FBI, they're the gold standard in college football predictive analytics. So their numbers are fantastic, but I don't want to just take their work and put it into mine and use it. So I just assume 100%. Uh, maybe one day I'll make FCS. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work you do. And, you know, I was telling you before we went on air, it's like, yeah, I have a day job. We're going to talk about your one of your day jobs a little bit in a second, which is cool. So, yeah, I mean, that's and that's why I'm kind of doing this this little side podcast video shows like i want to meet my friends i want to talk we've never obviously met in person we met on twitter we like each other's stuff so it's really cool and i appreciate what you're doing but yeah dude it's a lot of work and 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 you know people are want to quote tweet and trash something yeah but for the most part it's pretty positive energy and and i appreciate being part of the community 
that that you and so many others are, are doing with this stuff. Okay, so with after that little nice little serenade there, we're going to talk about the <laughs> uh, the projected to win less because we did the projected to win more. Here's some teams that are and uh, we'll, we're going to just let you just talk about Georgia down way down there at the bottom, but uh, <laughs> talk about it at the top. Yeah, Wake Forest is the team that, that jumped out at me. Is it's going to have some? This, this looks like teams that are either you know had a, they lost a lot of talent or you know you can expect some regression. Uh, so, you know, you see Oklahoma State and Baylor both on this list, and we just saw Texas, um, and uh, we saw Texas on the other list. So you, those are obviously, you know, positively correlated. I think. Yeah, for sure. And I want to start with Georgia because I know most people listening to this or watching this uh, are going to be Georgia fans, guys. Georgia is going to be incredible this year. They're in the, they're in my top three. It's not even close. Like it's it's Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, kind of all clumped up together, and then a big drop from it for, for everybody else. The reason Georgia is on this list is because you went 12 and 0 in the regular season last year, which is so difficult to do. It's not even funny. I'm expecting you all to win 11 games this year. And again, I'm not going to pinpoint the one you're going to lose because I don't expect you to lose any single one, but every, everybody or, teams are imperfect. You can get caught last year. You did not until the SEC championship game. And then you put it right a couple weeks later in Indianapolis. So don't freak out Georgia fans. You're going to be awesome you're going to win 11 games. Okay. Like that's what I'm thinking. Don't worry about being number 36 on this list to talk, to talk about some of those other ones. though, John. Apparently, apparently you've met Georgia Twitter before. I, I just wanted to get that out of the way. Uh, it's, it's speaking of the, the Twitter, I, I don't want to get sidetracked, but uh, Parker Fleming stats of war DM me the other day about something. We were talking about something and he's like, Oh dude, someone burned you or something. I'm like, yeah, I know whatever. He's like, you know what? Like anybody who's got, you know, just an egg avatar or just a couple followers or something, just, you don't have to respond to him. And I'm like, you know what? You're right, Parker. So I've really stopped engaging with a lot of that negative energy you talked about, trying to keep it positive. And if you're just going to trash it or whatever, hey, you know, Twitter's a free platform. Everyone can do what they want. But uh, I'm going to use that mute button uh, pretty liberally and uh, not going <laughs> to interact with those negative ones. So uh, yeah, had to, get, had to get that out there. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely, dude. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, and it's like what you and Parker do is just awesome. And yeah, you're doing this for free. <laughs> it's yeah. like, give me a break. You know, it's, it's just it's just numbers, man. Numbers. Yeah. You don't you don't like what I have either. Don't follow me, which many of the people that are saying that don't, or just ignore me, block me, mute me. I don't care. But just watch just, the game, nerd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, watch the game, nerd. As I sit here to my left, I have a uh, five TV setup, guys. I watch as many oh, yeah. games as I can. No, I know, I know you. It's I know so you know. cool, dude. You, yours, your setup is awesome, dude. <laughs> so anyway, bringing it back to the graphic. Uh, yeah. So the teams you see on here, they're here for one of two reasons. The inverse of what we just talked about with the expected to win more. Either you overachieved last year or you were lucky last year or there's a combination of both, right? And so a team like Iowa, my goodness, I feel like we were talking about them for the first two months of the season as just the luckiest team ever. While Nebraska couldn't catch a single break, Iowa was catching every break. So Iowa shows up on here because you expect some natural regression with that luck factor. Wake Forest, great team last year. Such an exciting story. It was was really cool to see them in in the ACC championship game. Like, it was fun. I, I think they overachieved, and I think maybe this year we're going to see a little bit more of what we expected to see last year in terms of a win-loss record. Oklahoma State, Baylor, kind of same thing. Not necessarily that they overachieved, but uh, maybe slightly, and I do expect other teams in the Big 12, such as Oklahoma and Texas, to be a little bit better this year than they were last year. And so that's going to eat into the win total for the teams that they play since they play a full-round robin in the Big 12, which I absolutely love. Um, so, yeah, th- th- those are just some of the teams you see on there. Arkansas, I feel like maybe people listening to this will like that. Some people have gotten upset and said, well, you don't think Arkansas is going to be very good? I do think Arkansas is going to be good. I think their win-loss last year was probably a little bit 
better than it should have been maybe necessarily. Um, so I think Arkansas is going to be really good, but they play in the SEC West. There's only so many wins to go around in the SEC West. So maybe that's why a team like Arkansas shows up on this list. UL Monroe, someone was like, oh, UL Monroe, that's rough when I posted this because, yeah, you know, they didn't win a whole lot last year. Now you're saying they're going to win even less. So, again, all sorts of different teams and profiles end up on this page. Michigan State's another one up here in Big Ten country. People are like, what, you don't like Michigan State? And no, guys, I, I, Michigan State, I love Michigan State. I think what they're doing is great. I think Mel Tucker's amazing. I think last year's game against Michigan was one of the most exciting games we've seen in a long time with that comeback and the atmosphere. But then I saw what Ohio State did to him just a, a week later, and, you know, that was another story. So you got to look at everything when you're looking at these numbers, looking at these teams. Just like the SEC West, there's only so many wins to go around. There's only so many wins to go around in the Big Ten East. So Michigan State, you got to play Michigan. You got to play Ohio State. You got to play Penn State. Um, it, it, it might be reasonable to expect them to uh, come back a win or two relative to their great 2021 season. Well, yeah, talking about all these teams, whether it's Ole Miss, Baylor, you know, all these teams winning eight or eight, eight games in college football is remarkable. It's hard to do. You know, I know that, that at the top, you know, we see the same teams in the college football playoff a lot, or certainly this top six teams, but, you know, and, and what people love about the, the old school sort of way of determining national championship is, you know, the regular season matters so much. And yeah, wins are hard to come by. I mean, Ole Miss won 10 games last year, you know, a two game regression is not something to be, you know, you know, fire kiffing about it's, it's damn good season. It is. Yeah. I mean, it it is interesting that, that, yeah, again, I think you're kind of saying the same thing with all this. It's like, yeah, the the big 12 is going to get tight. The ACC is going to be tighter than it's been. So, uh, I think it's going to be, you know, I think we know who the best, you know, four or five teams are, but somebody's going to come up. One of those teams is going to sneak up and uh, and surprise somebody, or 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 just catch it teams at the right time and and be it be there as one of the top four teams at the end of the year. Oh, Josh, absolutely. I mean, I'm dealing right now in the preseason. Everyone's approaching the preseason in their own way. Either you, you you like the eye test, which is almost makes me shiver, or you watch the tape and you got the X's and O's, and that's great too. Or you're looking at numbers, whatever it is. Or I just have my opinion of my favorite teams based on color. It doesn't matter. We're all speculating in the preseason, like myself included. Last year, coming into the season. Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, all those teams were preseason top five, even in my numbers. I mean, we were like, they're probably shoe-ins to make the the college football playoff. I think I even said, I I posted a question on Twitter, if I remember, this has been a year ago now, but I was like, if Clemson beats Georgia, can we just sharpie them into the playoff? And like, I probably would have leaned towards yes, looking at numbers. Now, they didn't beat Georgia, of course, and then they went on to lose a couple more games too. But my point is, while I'm saying there are these these um, recognizable teams and names here at the top of these lists, last year we would have said Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, very, very good chances. Not only did those teams not make the playoff, none of those teams even played for their conference championship game. So college football has a way of making every single Saturday exciting and count. Like upsets happen, that's why we love it. So don't sit here and think in August that, oh my gosh, it's going to be Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson, because that's who Kay Ford has as, as the top four teams in his preseason numbers. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if two of those teams did not make it. Um, I'd probably be really surprised if uh, more than two of Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia didn't make it, but who knows? I mean, we just saw last year what can happen. So, yeah, nothing is written in, in pen or written in stone right now um, in the preseason, so we just have to all keep that in mind as we get ready for week zero here in a few weeks. That's awesome. Kelly, thank you. Um, real quick, I'm going to wrap this up. We've been on for 30 minutes. You're, you're, you're awesome, and I'm, I'm sure everyone's going to get a kick out of this. Um, so you've got your 
day job and or or one of your day jobs is guys he's the assistant commissioner for the horizon league that's just cool and uh and you tell us tell me what those details uh what you have to do and then how did you get in that job because one day you were on twitter and the next day i saw you this is a couple years now i guess you posted that you had you got a job i think that's pretty awesome yeah, no, thank you. First, um, it, I, I think I probably make it sound cooler than it is if we're being honest. But no, it's 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 a you're, lot of fun. You're you're getting paid to do what you love. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what... yes, ex- exactly right. So, and, and that's kind of what it boils down to. So, my undergrad degree is in mechanical engineering. So, I worked for a year as a mechanical design engineer at an engineering architecture firm here in Indy. Uh, money was good. Hours were good. Colleagues were good, but I did not like the work I was doing. And so I was like, you know, if I'm going to work for 40 years, I got to do something I'm, I'm a little bit more passionate about, something I enjoy doing. So thought about it, thought it'd be really cool to work in sports. Didn't really know what that looked like, but, uh, talked to some people, ended up going to graduate school at Ohio university over in Athens, Ohio, did a, uh, a master's program over there to help me make that transition into sports. And so, yeah, about five years ago now, I started at the horizon league, which is a division one conference office. So think the sec but we don't sponsor football. Essentially, it's the same thing. They're like our Adam, our uh, basketball men's women's basketball champions play in the NCAA tournament, same as Georgia would if they won the SEC or <laughs> well, well, not on the men's side <laughs> recently. But you know, you guys are turning things around. Yeah, um, or if, if they're that large or an AQ, like our teams are playing in that same thing. We do exactly what the SEC does, but we do it on a smaller budget. And we don't sponsor football, which uh, really is the main the main differences there. But my official title is assistant commissioner for competition and basketball strategies. So I spend 95 percent of my time on things related to either our basketball strategies, as is in my title, um, or our basketball championships, which are here in Indianapolis at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. So um, that's what I do year round really i do oversee men's soccer as well as men's and women's tennis um but i spend the large majority of my time uh doing basketball related items but yeah working in a conference office i have a lot of fun i uh, i tell people i work more hours i make less money i enjoy the people i work with just as much if not more but i'm happier doing it so it's all worth it so yeah no it's uh it's been a fun journey and i'm looking forward to uh what the future has uh in store for me at the horizon league and really just what the future of college athletics looks like, right? I mean, we talk all the time, people on Twitter about transfer porter, name image likeness, should the the power five, if they become the power three or the power two, should they just break off? What does it look like with football governing itself? What about our Olympic sports? What about title nine, gender equity? Like all of these buzzwords, all these topics that people talk about on Twitter, like that's what my colleagues and I are doing from nine to five every single day. And then afterwards I come home and get on my computer and play around with college football power ratings. But um, those are the topics that we talk about all day and, and, and that we work with our membership on. So yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. If, uh, if anyone's ever in Indianapolis, uh, look me up and can show you our office space. You can come out to our basketball championship if you're here in March, but yeah, man, it's all good. All right. So you talked about the horizon just being a, a slightly smaller version of the SEC, but you did not mention of like who talks to the refs. Who, like, coordinates all the calls? I mean, that's not you because, um, you know, checks get written in Birmingham, as we like to say down here. So so I'm not going to talk anything about SEC and you guys, the reps you got down there. But, no, I I have a colleague who uh, is really our liaison to our officials. So we have have coordinators of officials in all of our sports, whether it's basketball, softball, baseball, soccer, you name it. Um, We've got people who – 
who schedule our officials to be at all of our regular season games. And then we at the league office work with them for our championship events and all of those sports. So uh, we've got great officials in the horizon league. I'll speak specifically to basketball. We're in a consortium with a couple other uh, big, like the, like the big 10, the, the max or the mid American, uh, I believe the summit, well, maybe the summit's not in there anymore, but either way we're in there with a few other conferences. So we all share the same pool of officials. And then we also share the costs of paying those officials. So I, I'll, I'll tell you, Josh, I really, I'm not going to get on officials and I would encourage anyone watching this to not either like officiating is a really hard gig. They're not getting paid as much as you think they are. Now, I guess I don't really know about football since we don't sponsor that. Um, but geez, we're losing people in the officiating business from professional down to college, down to high school, down to youth. And it's because you got crazy parents and you got crazy fans yelling at them because they made a bad call or how could you miss that ref? You're blind. That's terrible. Baloney. Like I'm just guys. They, they, they don't care who wins in 99.9% of cases. The official does not care who wins the game. You got to get off their back. So anyway, that's, that's enough of my officials uh, soliloquy, but there you go. Absolutely. And it well-deserved and, and well said as well. Okay. So we talked about your Twitter a lot. Tell everyone uh, how to find you and follow you on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on Twitter at K Ford ratings. Uh, I also have a website, www.kfordratings.com. And then my buddy Zach and I have a podcast. Uh, we're on Twitter at we hate your team underscore. And you can find that podcast anywhere you find your podcast. All we do is talk college football and we're getting ready to drop the first 2022 episode here uh, later this week. So yeah, really exciting uh, at K Ford ratings at we hate your team underscore. Uh, follow me, check it out. I do like to engage with people exactly. on social media. Um, as, as we talked about earlier, though, if it's going to be too negative or too uh, critical in a non-constructive way, probably not going to interact uh, as much anymore. But if you have questions or, or want to discuss a certain team or, or something that we got going on, I'm, I'm always happy to do so. Yeah, I was going to actually mention that. This is sort of kind of my little pet project I got going on at Dog Central about yeah, meet your Twitter friends. Yeah, because you interact. You responded to me. You know, you retweeted. You interact. He interacts with you guys. So if you've got questions he's he's gonna get he's gonna get back to you so yeah keep it positive keep it real and uh and follow kelly on twitter uh anything else before we get out of here kelly no that's it josh i just want to say thanks i mean this was awesome i really enjoyed it like i said i've loved looking at your stuff from afar and to be a part of it's been really cool so thanks so much and uh anytime uh anytime you want to do it again you know i'm game all right with that thank you F please follow him on twitter and check out dogcentral.com for all Georgia updates. We're doing a lot of preseason stuff. And Kelly, thank you again. And we'll uh, we'll see you on the Twitter blogs. Thanks, Josh.